Good afternoon and welcome to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Scoofus Capital Management. It is Justin Nielsen here and it's September 28th, 2022. And as always, I have Arusha Pires, Portfolio Manager at O'Neill Global Advisors joining me today. How are you doing, Arusha? Hey, Justin, I'm doing great. Uh, very good. And uh, you know what? We're going to get a little bit of we time today. Uh, we're going to go over the market and uh, kind of talk a little bit about what's been going on the past week. Also get into a little bit of a learning lesson, how to stop the chop. And then we'll cover some of the stocks that are on our radar. And uh, maybe we have a special uh, special guest appearance. Uh, we'll see. But uh, let's go ahead and start getting right into it. Uh, and and Justin, start... well, be, before yeah, before we get into the markets, okay, I, I, I think we owe we owe all the listeners to know the good news that it is your 25th anniversary at IVD. So congrats. yes, yes, it was uh, last week. Last week I was actually at the uh, the uh, New York event that we had with Market Watch, um, and uh, you know we were doing the IVD live from there. Uh, I, I did I did the the podcast from a, a hotel room had to do it on a window ledge to get the lighting just right yep. <laughs> and uh, so yeah that was uh that was the that was the day so 25 years it's uh incredible it's been quite a run but uh and especially since it was only supposed to be one year and uh, <laughs> that that one year turned into 25 i i guess i don't have much discipline in that regard <laughs> so uh not, not really sticking to my guns um okay with that being said how about we take a look at the market uh nasdaq composite had a, a really strong day today i mean all the indexes were were looking pretty good uh in terms of you know how they finished uh right up near the top of their ranges um you know but that was a pretty pretty ugly uh a pretty ugly week last week i mean after we taped the podcast things just got worse and it really seemed like a lot of the leadership was was taken to the woodshed they were coming after everything so uh end phase uh shockwave celsius you know all, all the things we had been talking about like oh look at how this is holding up uh, they just all got whacked and uh now here we are we're looking at um you know a, a lot you know, a lot more destruction has happened. Uh, the S&P 500 undercut its lows, its June lows. The Dow Jones Industrial Average undercut its June lows. But the NASDAQ uh, has held up along with the Russell 2000. And as bad as Friday got, uh, the NASDAQ composite has been able to stay above that Friday low that we had last week. Yeah, so it's day number two, right, of an attempted rally. Uh, it is positive that the Nasdaq hasn't undercut yet. I, I think in many ways, you know, if the market can hold, it's a positive that the S&P undercut, right? Because you mm -hmm. do have a little bit of that shakeout. And, right. and a lot of times you want to see an undercut. You want to see fear coming into the market. So everyone who was going to get out is going to get out. Uh, so, so that is a positive. We have been selling off for quite a while now, what, five, six weeks. Uh, but I think... You have to be cautious. You have to be take it very slow. We're still in a correction. Mm -hmm. Still day number two on the NASDAQ. So the earliest we could get a fall today is Friday. So if we have, say we have another day like today, where it is a powerful day on higher volume, we could get that market signal. But that being said, really, are there a lot of stocks out there that are building bases and, and really setting up? You know, it, it's still still pretty thin, but... I think the big thing is keep an open mind, know that we could get a market signal on Friday. And, and if that happens, then you look for something to buy and, and place a 
small position in and see what happens, get a little bit of feedback. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it seems like, I mean, we've certainly been talking about how it uh, has gotten to a lot of indicators got, have gotten oversold and it seemed like a bounce was imminent. And look, I mean, we did get that bounce uh, kind of at the end of, you know, end of August. And it, it seemed like that could have maybe had some traction there. But I mean, it was four days, right? And then we were right back uh, to, to plunging. Um, I also want to kind of address a little nuance here when, when looking at the NASDAQ. Um, you know, we have this day. Oh, I, I actually, did you want to, did you want to cover some of those um, market yeah, indicators? Yeah. If you want, why don't you, you go over the NAS, yeah, why don't you go over the NASDAQ and we'll go back, back to the market indicators. Okay. Okay. So um, just a, a, a real quick little nuance here, you know, because a lot of people were asking, and I was actually asking myself, what did we do with a pink rally day on on Friday? You know, this is something that uh, when Mike Webster, Charles Harris, and I sat down with Bill O'Neill, and we were coming up with these market school rules, we kind of came up with an automated way of uh, attacking the market indexes. And you know, we did have a number of these days where day one of the rally was not a day that ended up, you know, ended up for the day. It it wasn't a higher close from the previous day. Uh, there were these days where it closed down, but a lot of progress was made. A lot of times the spread tended to be a little bit wider um, and a lot of progress was made off the lows. And so we had noticed, you know, Mike, Charles and I, when we were going through the How to Make Money in Stocks book and the, the market section and some of the different areas that bill had chosen um, we noticed that there were a few of those that it was a pink rally day where the day that started the rally was actually a day that closed down now bill said you know hey this this has got to really close up off the bottom um, and again it usually was a wider spread but we wanted to make sure we weren't being too restrictive so we basically said okay you know what we'll take a half uh you know if it's in the upper half of the range we'll accept it as a pink rally day but then the question gets you know, asked, what if there's a gap down? You know, you see a day like we had on Friday of last week. And if you consider the closing range of what the index did that day, you know, just using the high and the low, well, it closed in the 60% range. So it would qualify as a pink rally day. But if you considered that the gap down, where it came from on Thursday, then it closed in the 40% range. And so I had to actually look into my code that I did. And, um, you know, we did we did make the decision to not count things that were in the lower half of the true range. So that's why, to your point, Arusha, this was day two and not what could have been a follow-through day. Yeah, yeah. So the, the pink rally days are, it's an interesting concept. Now, I, I think for all, I think, and I think you guys talked about this in the market school courses years ago, but for the pink rally days, uh, it gives you sometimes a little bit, it'll give you a little bit earlier entry, but for all of those rallies that ended up really working, you had another fall day shortly afterwards, mm -hmm. um, right? Or it actually, the pink rally day didn't matter. You know, you had right. enough days, Yeah. you know, whether, you, you know, if you use the blue rally, so it wasn't like you, oh, we wouldn't have called this follow through at all got because, it. you know, most of the time, it just didn't matter. Yeah. You know, you, you got it with the blue rally. Yeah. So, so it's, it's interesting because like a lot of times, because there were always before you guys did that, the market school study, 
I think there were only a few examples that Bill highlighted of pink rally days. And it was it was really kind of like market was really selling off. And then halfway through the day, it came all the way back. So maybe the market was down like 2% and then came all the way back and finished up 1%. And so you had this like really big bar, but it was still slightly, or maybe didn't finish up, but it finished slightly down, like, but right at the high of the ring. So it was kind of like this big hammer, but it was, it was a yeah. down day. And so that's what I kind of always like in the, the back of my head when I'm looking like, or I'll notice a pink rally day, those type of days, these more subtle ones, like for instance, on September 16th, on, on right. that day so 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 i'm lucky enough to to be in a, a kind of a daily call with, with a few people and charles is one of what, what charles harris is one of the the people on it and a lot of times he'll kind of just give his market thoughts and so he he identified that the the september 16th as a pink rally day and it, it didn't really register it didn't really pick up for me because it was just such a small day but it mm -hmm. did according to the market school rules yeah qualify for close. for a pink rally day yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so it's, it's good to know those little details there. Uh, but, uh, but when we have like kind of that real market signal where it really leads to a great, uh, rally, you're going to have multiple fall through days. And a lot of times, as you said, Justin, it's not going to necessarily matter. Uh, right. but, but there are going to be some of those instances where it is going to give you a little bit of an early head start. But I think the bigger thing is that you always want to, even though you're, we're playing defense or not, we're being cautious. You always want to be ready to go back in, right? You always want to have that optimistic mindset. Right. And we sold off a long time now, right? We're near the lows. Mm -hmm. This market could turn, right? We mm -hmm. had a pretty good rally in July, and, and uh, it was a short four-week rally. It was a counter-trend rally, as we thought it was most likely going to be. But it was still a pretty strong rally. But there's going to come another one like that, where it starts off strong, and you're going to think it's a counter-trend rally, and then it's going to turn into the real rally. And so if you don't take all of these falter days at face value and seriously, you're going to miss out on kind of that first leg up uh, and a lot of the best stocks. Uh, right. If you're just kind of waiting for more kind of uh, information to come in or more uh, for yourself to get more confidence. In <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's usually what it is, right? You're waiting for that confidence to come in. And it's like, yeah, by the time you find, you know, by the time you finally are reading headlines that are saying the bear, the, the bull market is back and the bear is over. Well, then, I mean, you're right. you're months into the thing. Um, you know what? I did want to just uh, address one more thing about the pink rally day. If you could go ahead and go to the S and P 500 and, you know, just change the date to 1982. Um, and I, I will show you one of the examples where, where it did matter. Um, you can see how the market came down. And again, this was a pretty brutal, uh, correction that had lasted for a while. And, you know, there's your pink rally day right there for those people that are yep. watching, uh, at investors.com slash podcast um we're looking at the day of so that was uh, august 9th august 9th yes and this was a really unusual situation you actually didn't have much of a rally yeah. <laughs> happening you know each day kind of was you know trying to make progress trying to make progress the low held but it wasn't until four days later that you actually got an up day and then the day after that is when you got um when you got the follow through day and even, yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. Two days after that. Um, you know, so you got, well, you got the over, follow through day. It was over here on like, um, August no, on, uh, on the 17th of August. Yeah. Oh yeah. Go. So, so, yeah. okay. So that's Up where we're using the pink rally day. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and again, if you had been using, 
you know, if you'd said, oh, no, I need a blue day. Well, that would have only been day three. Um, and right. we wouldn't have called that a third day follow through day because the middle day was just not powerful enough. So. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the pink rally day mattered there. It's one of the few cases where it did. But this is one where it was a, an example that was in how to make money in stocks. And so we, um, you know, we, we kind of went to Bill and said, look, we, we just want to get a little bit more insight on this and why why you counted this one. How, how uh, And of course, this is this is what started one of the greatest bull runs of all time. Yeah. Right. It, this yeah. is when the the inflation was really truly the, the 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 back was broken of inflation um you know the 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 rates were starting to come down again and the growth was just uh you know phenomenal from that august 1982 follow-through day yeah now now i think the key is you, you take all the follow-through days uh seriously mm -hmm. uh, but you, you don't go too aggressively right you put you put a position in if you see a great stock breaking out but let the market, let the stock prove itself before you start putting more and more money. Because if you're too optimistic or you're acting on too many falter days, especially as we've seen this time around, this this uh, the, this next upcoming falter day, I guess, will be the sixth of the year. You're going to get chopped around, right? You're you're yeah. going to give too much back, and if that's the case, you're going to lose a lot of valuable principal, and you're going to be gun shy to really try it or really move into the market when it's actually working. Yeah. And that's one of the worst things it can do is uh, psychologically damage you a little bit. But before we get into that, because we're going to get into that more on the next segment, uh, let's go ahead and circle back to uh, those market indicators. You brought them up briefly, and I thought it might be a good time to go through some of those market indicators. Um, for those of you that do have MarketSmith, uh, you can get to this by typing in the symbol NASDQ. Uh, this gives you these daily market indicators. And what are some of the things that you look at on this um, on this page? You know, honestly, the, the one thing that I'll look at, and I, don't, and I don't look at it too often, but when the markets are selling off, I'll, I'll pull it up uh, just to see how oversold it got. And so it's, it's really the second graph, the short-term overbought, oversold indicator. That, that's what I'm going to look at. Uh, and in, in January, we hit... And this, I think this came. Uh, I think Charles talked about this one time where it, uh, we hit lows that uh, <laughs> haven't hit lows like <laughs> right. in like twenty years or something. I mean, maybe ever, you know. It, and that was so quick that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so, and that was that was one point where he was becoming more bullish. And when you when I saw that, I was like, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. But the problem is, is that a lot of times in weak markets, markets can get oversold and stay oversold. Right. And, and so that's that's one thing when they become pinned, that's not necessarily a good thing. A lot of times it means the market's just so weak that even the oversold indicators aren't working. Uh, but it's been a long time since then. It's been a lot of chop. And so we're, we're pretty close to that range again. So you just want to keep an open mind. But I think the it always comes down, though, to the stocks themselves underneath the surface. How many stocks are setting up there? We have a handful of stocks that are still hanging in there. But the reality is that there are a lot of other stocks. When you look at them, they just need more time. They need more time to build right-hand sides of bases and, and attempt to break out. So it, it's we're not in that sweet spot yet. yet. But if we get the follow-through day, you might have a little bit of merchandise to try. Um, and then the other the other one that I'll just take a look at a little bit is right here, the, the last chart, where just the new highs and new lows is a 10-day moving average. And you can kind of see the, the, new, the new lows are starting to increase again. It came all the way back down. Right. Um, 
where the new lows have been like kind of leading the whole year. Mm-hmm. But uh, around August, when uh, middle of August or so, it actually went, uh, the new highs actually briefly took over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now the new lows are starting to start in queue up again. So that's just showing you underneath the surface, there are more stocks struggling. Right. And, you know, it's, it's also one of the things that was interesting about today, at least, um, you know, Apple was certainly, you know, weighing on the indexes. I mean, you know, they, they were kind of saying that they were going to have production issues um, because of demand. Uh, and I mean, it was down more than 4% at one point. And so uh, with Apple being such a huge part of the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100, um, NASDAQ composite, you know, because they're market weighted indexes, uh, you just were seeing this kind of drag. Now, Apple ended up closing down just one 1.3% today. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting is uh, we were looking at this on IBD Live. And, you know, sometimes what I like to do is I like to pull up QQQE, which is the equal weighted of the NASDAQ 100, um, because sometimes you'll kind of see a, dis- uh, a disparity, right? If it's, if it's the market cap, the heavy mar- mega, mega caps that are driving either the up or down action, you might see a big difference between QQQ and QQQE. In the same way, sometimes I'll also look at SPY, SPY, versus uh, RSP, which is the equal weighted of the S&P 500. So just one other, you know, little arrow you can put in your quiver, um, you know, to kind of get a sense of what's really happening under the surface of these market indexes. So, so what did, what did you see anything in the QQQE today when you were comparing it versus the QQQs? Oh, yeah. I mean, at, at one point, the QQQE, the equal weighted, was up a percent okay. when the, the Qs were actually flat or down. Wow. Okay. Um, so it, there was a big, a big discrepancy. And even, I mean, the way that they ended today, um, you know, the, the, I mean, the Qs were up, you know, pretty nicely up 2%, but QQQE was up two two and three quarters percent. So still had a, a, a lot of outperformance there because some of those mega caps, I think, were dragging dragging it down a little. So um, anyway, you know what? Let's go ahead and uh, let's take a break right now. And when we come back, we'll get into a little bit more of this whole concept of how to stop the chop. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Peter Skoufis, founder of Skoufis Capital, has successfully managed money using Bill O'Neill's strategy for the last 17 years. Peter's missed major market crashes, such as the financial crisis of 2008, and most recently, the coronavirus crash of 2020. One of his strengths is finding new leadership in new market uptrends. If you would like to talk to Peter and get his thoughts on the current market and what to do now, or get a complimentary review of your portfolio, feel free to contact him at scoofuscapital.com. That's S-K-O-U-F-I-S capital, C-A-P-I-T-A-L dot com. And fill out the contact form or by calling 866-562-2634. Protect your capital and don't miss the next market uptrend. Okay, welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Scoofus Capital Management. It's Justin Nielsen here, along with my weekly guest, Arusha Paris, O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager. So Arusha, I think when you get into a downtrend and, uh, you know, this has been a little bit more prolonged, right? I mean, it's not the, the V-shaped COVID uh, recovery that we had where it's uh, by the time we hit bottom, it was, you know, a month into it and a month later, we're, we're screaming out of it. Um, 
you know, this is this is a lot more prolonged. Uh, this is where the destruction can be a lot more. And there's all of these false rallies that can happen, these counter trend rallies. And we, we went over this. We went over, uh, you know, how many different rallies there were in 2000 to 2003, some of them very powerful, including a 40 percent rise in the Nasdaq after uh, September 11th in 2001. Uh, so you, you did have these powerful rallies. And we've seen that this time, too, in March and in July, where it seemed like we were starting to get some traction. But we ended up coming up to resistance, hitting our head on it and getting turned right back down. So I guess the question is, what are some of the ways in order to kind of protect yourself? And again, the psychological part is important here. But how do you stop the chop? Yeah, I, I think the well, I think the first question that well, I ask, well, I generally ask myself and, you know, a lot of people asked us over the years is, can you stop the chop? Yeah. Right. Uh, and still, you know, be in in the market at, at you know, somewhere near the lows. Uh, I don't think you can. You know, I don't necessarily think you can completely avoid the chop. You have to put a little money to work when you get those signals. Uh, th that's the biggest thing. You, you really have to put that money to work and get some feedback from the market. Mm -hmm. Now, so you are going to get you if in these really choppy, tricky markets, you're going to give some back. The key is not giving too much back. You're getting, you, that's why you want to play really, really small. And so a lot of times what I'll do is like, so I'll, I'll tell what I've done this year, right? So I start out early in the beginning of the year, like 5% positions, mm -hmm. right? And, and those got whacked. And so then I reduced it to like 2% positions. Then I started making a little bit of progress and went back to the 5%. Now I'm down like the 1% positions, mm -hmm. right? Because my 2% positions that I took, tried a, a few weeks ago, they, they started blowing up. And so now I'm now down to 1%. I'm, all, I'm not trying to make money at this point. I'm trying to get traction in the, the individual, the one or two positions that, I, that I'm taking. I want to just see some progress. Now, going back to the fall through date that we had in uh, what, end, beginning of July or end of June, that mm -hmm. ended up like a five-week rally there. Uh, it, all the little positions I took, and those were on 5% positions, and I slowly started scaling those up, they actually made some progress. Right. They're, they're, they were act it was weird. It was like, wow, you know, they're not getting killed. So that was giving me feedback that we might have a chance here. But once they started selling off, you back away. So it's that process of actually putting a little money to risk, not a lot uh, to to slowly get that feedback, because we know using our system that once we kind of see the traction, once we start seeing the stocks moving, we can quickly move into the market, right? We can get into that next stock that's breaking out. We can scale up those positions to, you know, once they're really working, you're going like from a two percent, five percent position to a twenty percent position, right? You're going, right. you're, and but you're not starting off with a twenty percent position. Starting off with a ten percent, then he's bringing up to six, add six more percent to it, and then finally four. So you're scaling in that way. But at a beginning of bull markets, um, and when you're in strong markets, a lot of times we're going to have five positions each of them 20 percent right so we know we can make a lot of some the ground that we might have missed by not being there at the bottom pretty quickly in strong markets because we're gonna we're gonna really kind of make up for that with stock selection and concentration uh, yeah. so so th th that's kind of key that's why i think it gives us a little bit of a luxury of play small play small and then once you start seeing the traction starts market starting to work start the the stocks starting to work then you become more aggressive.
Mm-hmm. And it's, it's as you said, it's it's feedback, right? The market is giving you that feedback that you're making good decisions, that you're getting that traction, um, and that's what allows you to get more aggressive. But uh, certainly, you know, I'll, I'll tell you where I was 25 years ago, and I know I've shared this story. Um, first of all, you know, it was a it was a such a strange time to start because the late 90s, it was like you could throw a dart, and you know, oh, everything was going up, right? right. So uh, it was it was almost like you you think you're a genius, especially when you're a young punk kid, you know, fresh out of college, just learning about the stock market, and you think you can't do any wrong. Um, but then you uh, get a situation like 2000, 2003, where I was so eager to to make that money and get back to the late 90s, where uh, it was so easy. I kept on going in hard, each and every one of those rallies. Um, and, you know, I, I would be on margin within days. Yep. And, you know, that's that's a real easy, easy way to get get chopped up. And what what was the worst part about it is I got out so good in 2000. You know, I I went to full cash in March of 2000 wow. and, you know, was just patting myself on the back of how awesome I was. But then by the time 2003 rolled around, I had. I disintegrated my account by 50%. Uh, you know, it, it was over 50%. Now, the good news is, was uh, I had so little money at that time. It wasn't, it wasn't like I lost a huge sum, but still, percentage-wise, um, you know, I, I'm glad I made that mistake early and uh, not now. Yeah, uh, uh, you bring up a very good lesson right there. I mean, if you're new to this, especially to the, the methodology here, um, you, you have to play small play very small because the stocks that we end up playing in, they move up fast. They move down a lot faster. Uh, now, getting back to you, kind of that other statement that you said, Justin, with you, you, when, when markets are strong and, and you think you're a genius, right? It's not really you at that point, yeah. right? It, it's the market. It's the, it's the same way. If you, if you got caught in this bear market and we've all gotten caught in them. I, I got caught in that 2000 bear market that Justin was able to avoid, but I learned my lessons and I've been able to kind of manage not getting crushed in the, these other bear markets that we've had since then. But uh, the the key is you're not that you're you're not that bad when the in the bear market. You know, it's not like you're an awful stock picker or you're you're just know nothing. Right. You're just in an awful, awful market. No one. It, it's very, very difficult if you're trying to go long to make money in a bear market. Right. Uh, you know, a lot. Of, and a lot of people will ask us, oh, why don't you just go short? Well, for me personally, I just I find it a lot harder. Right. So a lot of times I just prefer not to play. If I'm going to play go short, I just play very, very small on it. I'm never going to go aggressive, even though, you know, you look back and go, man, I could have done really well going short. I, I knew that this market was in trouble for a while. I guess I should have just gone the other way. But it, it, I've always found it hard. So I generally just kind of stay more on the sidelines and just wait. Um, so that's that's up for everyone to kind of decide for themselves. But shorting is, I've found, much harder than going long. But I think the, the, the big thing is, you know, you, you want to kind of learn from this and know that in the end, it's the market, right? And so it's up to all of us to listen to the market. And that's what these small positions, when you put them on, you're just getting feedback from the market saying, okay, is the environment changing or not? And it's going to tell you that just by, are you making progress in your portfolio or not? Right. And there's a little bit of patience that's required, um, especially 
for for folks that have had some success in the market, um, and I'm sure this happened to a lot of folks that started in 2020. Uh, you're like, wow, this is this is awesome. You know, I'm making money, and you know, you start getting to a point where it's it's a sizable sum that you're making, and you know, when that's kind of taken away, it, it's it it makes you sad. It's you know, awful. like it's you, awful. you want you want those good times back, and um, you know, but there's two things now. One of the first things that happened, I feel like, with some of these rallies that we were getting uh, this year is that there were no stocks behind them. Uh, a lot of times what was happening is you were seeing uh, a lot of the bottom fishing, right? It was your your upstarts, your Shopify's, your, um, your, your stocks that were down 80% that were just bouncing off the bottom. Those were some of the ones that were driving some of these rallies, these false rallies. And and that's not our style, right? It's not our style yeah. to get into those bottom fishing type stocks. And so it was really easy to kind of sidestep some of those false rallies. Um, what, what was a little bit trickier is now we've seen a lot of these uh, names kind of have this much, much better relative strength. Um, the indexes are below their 50 day and 200 day moving average lines. And you start noticing the stocks that are holding up above their moving average lines, or even making, you know, they're, they're close to new high territory and forming bases. Um, you know, that's, that's where it can be tempting. But to your point, it's, it's that feedback, right? If you're, if you're picking the right stocks and a lot of people would say this has been a stock pickers uh market right if you're if you're picking the right stocks you can make progress but if you're in the wrong stocks uh or or the market itself it, it, it's been it's been pretty terrible so you've got to kind of use that feedback mechanism and i think that patience level too means don't feel like you have to be getting in at the very bottom um we we don't we don't buy at the very bottom and we don't sell at the very top, but there's a lot of room in between there where you can make a lot of money, um, you know, just just by being kind of 80 percent there. You don't have to get 100 percent of the move. Yeah, no, it's ego, right? A lot of times you just got to be able to walk away and say, you know, it's not my time. This is not my environment. Um, and that's OK. You know, you don't always have to, to try to make money. There are plenty of times where the right decision is to stay on the sidelines or play really small. Some other suggestions to kind of avoid the chop or, or really stop the chop in many ways is. And this is something that you know, I learned from Scott St. Clair. Take take a bunch of money out of your account. You know, Scott, yeah. Scott's always been very good at that, where if he Charles does get, that, too. And Charles does that. I, I, yeah. So it's like a number of these guys who have done really well have been able to. You know, be able to keep most of their money, right? Mm -hmm. it is they they will just literally take the money out of the account and put mm -hmm. it put it in in their bank account, just take it out of the trading account, so they're not tempted. So mm -hmm. so now you're playing with a smaller amount of money, and so now even if you go 100, percent you're just really a 10 percent maybe, you know? Right. So you're they're they're like taking like you know 50 percent of their money out, maybe more than that, right? So so that's the I think that's another good suggestion if if the markets are tempting you like you know if the if it's calling you you the, the when you have those quotes kind of constantly flashing you feel like you have to do something yeah i think mm -hmm. that's another thing um in bear markets when markets are really tough i try not to watch i, I try not to watch the quotes too much mm -hmm. i'll just and i'll put the the charts to weekly charts uh -huh. and so to try to because all those little signs you know especially when you're looking at the quotes all those little colors flashing, those are right. triggers, right? They they make you itch. They want they, you really want to do something, and you you get that urge. So I just try 
I cover the gold screen. I put something else on there, <laughs> or I walk away from the computer. I, yeah. I, I go, you know, I, I kind of stay away, away from the computer and, and go and read or do something else, um, and and focus on some research or some stocks or some trends or whatever, but not watching the screen because I know the market is bad, and we're a few days away from a follow through day and all that kind of stuff. So, I think uh, those are a few things uh, mm-hmm. to do. But the the biggest ones, you know, the feedback. But I think the other thing is just. Re- just realize your emotions, right? Yeah. You have to know that you're going to get emotional and you have to learn to manage that. Do you ever scream at your screen and just say, leave my dopamine alone? Like, you know, <laughs> I, I know, I know what you're trying to do. Uh, you know, uh, honestly, I'm happy to say that I'm past that where I really start screaming and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't have too many of those kind of episodes right. anymore, which is, which is good. Um, uh-huh. Which is not, but that's experience, right? Yeah. Like a lot of times the highs you can put like when you're doing like 2020 when we were, we were all doing well we could kind of put it in perspective saying you know this is acting too well right we're right. not this good right yeah it's yeah. like we better start figuring a way to lock in some of these games and keep this money because this is one of these once in every 20 years type of events and then the same time when you're in a bear market and everything you try just fails like you know I'm not going to get too down on myself, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going, I realize the market's changed, so I'm just going to go smaller and, and just kind of try to keep most of the money that I have right now and, and just wait, it, it may take, and we, did we know that it was going to last this long? No, I thought that mm-hmm. by now we would probably be getting pretty close to changing, but we don't know. Maybe, maybe we do get a fault or any changes uh, th- uh, this week and maybe the next great bull market starting next week. Or it might be next year, right? So we just don't know. But I think the biggest thing that we all have is, uh, and the biggest advantage we have uh, using this methodology is that once you see these signals start coming and you just start seeing, and we saw it in July, you saw a number of falter days start happening, right? I mean, that was kind of a good little preparation, I think, where you mm-hmm. saw a number of falter days happening. You saw a number of stocks working well. It just didn't, and the rally worked a little bit right it went up like 15 percent, 10 to 15 percent uh so that was kind of a good practice there's going to come another time where you start seeing that again and mm-hmm. so you just let the market slowly pull you in so that's what i've always had over the years as kind of my safety net that i know that i'm not going to really i'm you know knock on wood you know but i shouldn't i shouldn't miss you know anything's possible i definitely could miss the next rally but uh i shouldn't miss the next rally because there are enough signals there to keep giving you reasons to get exposure to the market when the time is right. And a lot of those, as you said, you're dipping your toe in, you're dipping your toe in. And eventually, you know, you start getting to a point where you're like, oh, things are really moving and I, I need more exposure so I can participate in this. And, you know, again, that's, that's where, that's where things start cooking. Uh, Of course, I think it is important that people do keep that perspective in mind. As you said, 2020 was one of those very unusual unusually strong time periods and you can't look at the next rally as necessarily being um being the same as that right i mean we had a fed behind us stimulus money uh liquidity you know (laughs) going crazy um you know that that kind of created a perfect storm and so don't be surprised if the next time you know you're not making you know a hundred percent in your stocks in just a few weeks uh it it, it could be a little bit slower going but that's okay because you know, you catch a few of those big winners and you can still have your your life changers in there. Um, just don't expect, 
as many as maybe we had in 2020 and maybe to the degree. Yeah, well, and I'll, I'll say, like, you know, you brought the Fed and stuff like that. Uh, now you're, you're kind of seeing the effects of the Fed the other way, right? Where now the money, as you said, is coming out of the system. Right. Things could get bad, you know, and there are plenty of people out there, really smart people, as, as Tom said last week, um, that are convinced that the, this market is going to go much lower, right? Things are going to get much worse, and they very well could be right. A lot of what they say makes a ton of sense, like this market could get really bad. Um, but the reality is, is this market's gone down a lot already. Mm-hmm. The markets are always anticipating. They're always looking at six to nine months. And so you want to be open-minded to the fact that, okay, yeah, the market, it seems like the market is going to go down a lot lower just by the fundamentals, by the charts, all this kind of stuff. But what if we're at the lows right now or near the lows and we get that signal? What do I do? You have right. to kind of catch yourself because a lot of times that's what I'm always like. I'll, I, I'll let these things influence me too much and get too negative, right? And then I'm a little slower to get back in. So you always have to kind of catch yourself. Like, wait, wait a minute. What if we get that signal? Can I, can I shift and go against kind of the grain mm-hmm. where all the news out there is terrible, Right. And the Fed is is removing liquidity and rates are going through the roof and uh, no one's going to be able to afford anything and companies can't you know, buy new things. Right. It's terrible. But the markets are always looking six to nine months ahead. And when the markets are ready to turn, they don't care. The markets do not care about the current news. It's always looking out ahead. Yeah. And that mentality, it often gets the most negative, uh, you know, right before things turn around um, or or even <laughs> things turn around sometimes and it's still very negative. You still have all those negative headlines. But at the same time, we see this so many times where uh, some of the stocks that you're looking at, you might still be saying, well, no, this, uh, you know, the, the, the price is going down, but look at the earnings, look at the fundamentals. They're still so strong. And it's not until six months later that, you know, then you start getting the, the clobbering of of the fundamentals and it's like oh okay the market the market really is a leading indicator not a lagging lagging indicator so uh well i think we can uh wrap it up right there any anything any last words of advice here uh as as we close this out arusha no i i the biggest thing is learn learn from this right we all there are plenty of lessons to learn from i i do not like doing post analysis but i force myself to do it every year and good or bad you want to go back and learn because this is a, a never-ending process of improvement. Um, and if there are bad, bad things, if there's been a bad year, we've all gone through it. The most important thing is learn from those mistakes so you don't have to go through it again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to put Jared Tendler's little inchworm on there uh, just for fun. So, okay, very good. When we come back, we're going to talk about a few of the stocks that look like they could be setting up some of those relative strength leaders. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Peter Skoufis, founder of Skoufis Capital, has successfully managed money using Bill O'Neill's strategy for the last 17 years. Peter's missed major market crashes, such as the financial crisis of 2008, and most recently, the coronavirus crash of 2020. One of his strengths is finding new leadership in new market uptrends. If you would like to talk to Peter and get his thoughts on the current market and what to do now, or get a complimentary review of your portfolio, feel free to contact him at scoofuscapital.com. That's S-K-O-U-F-I-S capital, C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. And fill out the contact form or by calling 866-562-2634. Protect your capital and don't miss the next market uptrend. 
Okay, everybody, and welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast sponsored by Scoofus Capital Management. It's Justin Nielsen here along with my weekly guest, Arusha Pires, Portfolio Manager at O'Neill Global Advisors. And look who we got popping in. It's Jim Ropel from Growth Stock Mentor and uh, Ropel Capital Management. Uh, so, Jim, I, of course, he's been a, a, a frequent guest of the podcast. Uh, you're going to be coming to our Founders Club event uh, in Vegas this week, uh, this weekend. And we just got to hang out in New York, which, by the way, thanks again for dinner. That was absolutely delicious. Uh, great. Nice, nice choice of restaurant and great company. Uh, so, yeah, this has been a uh, uh, a week filled with Jim for me, but uh, hey, welcome back to the show. <laughs> week filled with Justin. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jim, let's let's go ahead and start out. Just kind of taking your broad view of the market. I mean, you know, we've been talking about how much destruction has happened, but you have remained optimistic about. Hey, look, the the sun will come out tomorrow. Those chances to make money again, you know, they're they're right around the corner. Uh, do you think that today? changes anything uh about about your outlook because of the strong day that we had it changes a little i mean just a tiny little bit um you know i think to address the first part of what you said the bull market really conditioned people to be overly optimistic and this bear has conditioned them to be overly pessimistic Mm -hmm. just make no mistake a massive, massive opportunity. Well, let me slow down. A big opportunity has already been created. If we have a third leg down, well, I'll probably only see three more bears this bad, four more in the rest of my life. It'll be a, a gargantuan opportunity. And, you know, some of the names we can talk about, these new names that are going to jump out are going to be like a new Newbridge Networks or a new BlackBerry or a whatever. I mean, as long as the golden goose of capitalism is suffocated by socialism, these names are going to come out and we are we're getting a bit if you go from the day the advanced decline line peaked in 21 we're 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 in this pretty long yeah. now if we go from the absolute high we might have a little more time but would you wait 3 to 4 i mean how, i don't know whether we're going to bottom in a week or 9 months but i'll wait 9 months to get a shot at a double or a triple in my account right like i'll take that all all day long every day mm-hmm. so don't let the market get you too bearish. And we can talk about a bunch of these names, but I'll tell you the mistake people are going to make. The market's going to have a follow through date, and we're going to have a real one, unlike today, where 10 names come out that have TML characteristics. There's crazy good volume in the new names, not the old names. People are going to be super negative. They probably will skip buying them. The, name, the, the good ones will jump out, and the guys who do buy them will be so bruised from the bear that they're going to sell them up 10, 20%. And they're going to be the ones that are going to go like McAfee and associates came out of a bear went up 1800% ascend went up almost 4,000%. Mm-hmm. So don't get too negative here. And so how, how do you, you prevent yourself from getting too negative? Now we, I mean, we can't listen to you every day. I mean, maybe we can. Maybe we should just listen, listen to you every day. Cause <laughs> just, every just time put you Jim Ropel on repeat, like, a loop. Let's go, uh, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but how, but any suggestions on, you know, when people out there where if they've gotten caught in this and, you know, I mean, maybe you do need a, that la- that third leg down to really get everyone bearish. Um, what can people do uh, just to try to, you know, fight their emotions? Okay. You said the word, the E word emotions. Okay. You have to, 
objectively look at what happens after major bears. Okay, major bulls ensue, and why do so many brilliant people, geniuses, can't handle the market because their emotions get in the way? Strip that out. Look at the facts. The first 15, 20 leaders to come out within a couple of days before or the next two or three weeks after a follow-through day, after a major bear, are going to be generally, gener most likely, odds very high, monsters. Mm -hmm. You know, 100 to four, 500. I mean, even greater percentages. So use the rules. Follow the rules and strip your emotions out. It's extremely so easy to say that, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> easier said uh, than done. Way easier. Uh, so you just yeah. follow the rules. Don't sell unless it violently breaks the 50-day and ride that thing for all it's worth. Understand the total addressable market. Know the fundamentals cold and say, well, you know, if the market is $6.5 billion for the new ischemia uh, thing for Shockwave and they have like, you know, you know, $500,000 worth of market share right now. Yeah, I will sit through four massive pullbacks of the 50-day to try to capture that. Know that no history, and be ready. Trim when things are excessive, and just know the rules, know the fundamentals, and sit as much as you possibly can. Dampen volatility through hedging and trimming, and uh, study history. Study yeah. Bill. Reread Bill's book right now. While the market, <laughs> yeah. right. you know, I, I, I think, think I think that's so key because I mean, you were talking about Ascend, McAfee, and you know, uh, BlackBerry, which was called Research in Motion back in the day. Um, you know, the the way that you kind of get that optimism, I think, is by just remembering how these came out. You know, how bad the bear markets were that they came out of, and what it looked like afterwards. And you you you. Uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, Bill's book, How to Make Money in Stocks, the fourth edition, has 100 charts right in the first chapter. And it was something he had to fight the publisher for because he's like, no, you know, the publisher's like, who's going to want to read, you know, start a book that starts with 100 charts you know, right. in chapter one? I loved it. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, and, and, and they were like, yeah, your folks love it. But, you know, if, if we're trying to sell this, you know, to, to real people, not not the, uh, the the folks that are your diehards, uh, you know, how do we how do we sell this? And he was insistent. Um, but I, I think that's just such a great place to start and get that history, because remember, those charts, those 100 charts start with Richmond and Danville. Uh, from 1890 and, uh, you know, include Tennessee coal and iron, one of the original Dow Jones Industrial Average components, uh, and then just go on through, um, you know, what what we ended with, like, I think, First Solar and Apple and, uh, you know, a, a few of those and uh, Green Mountain Coffee Roasters <laughs> in 2009 and stuff like that. Yeah, and well, so, it was it was those charts that in 2000 and 2002, when I got hit in that bear market, it, it was charts looking at charts like that that you know kept the faith for me because i ne had never really you know used the system in a bull market and i and i still sometimes wonder how i why i even stuck around because all i did was learn to cut losses really quickly which turned out to be a great great lesson to learn but yeah. it was a lot of a lot of just looking at previous examples and going wow you know maybe i can catch the next aol or schwab mm -hmm. so so jim that's you, you know well, one, one thing I want to ask you, because, you know, when we were chatting in New York, um, you know, we were talking about all of these leaders that were holding up pretty well. And then pretty much as soon as you left, 
like the leaders just got whacked. You know, I you you jumped on a plane and it was like the leaders said, okay, well if Jim is if Jim's going to be on a plane, we're just uh, going to take him. <laughs> That's right. So what what is your take now on some of those uh, leaders? Like you know, you mentioned Shockwave, Enphase, Celsius. You know, a, a lot of these names that a lot of us have been looking at um, got hit pretty hard uh, last week. You know. Are they broken or is it just, hey, this is this is just the break that happens before uh, even better things uh, happen ahead? Whether these names digest and move right ahead because we do get a, a real durable uptrend or we have a third leg down and they get pounded, they've shown themselves. They they were like those basketballs and where they popped up in a kind of an okay moment. And we'll, whether we have the third leg down or not, I think they're going to probably lead in the next cycle. They might have to wait three, four, five months. Six, I don't know. I think they will lead. At least I gave you like four, three, four, five of them. Probably right. three quarters of them will re, will come back. But there's a big clue today. My volume percent gain list was chocked with junk, crap, mm -hmm. okay. and yep. so it smacks more of a short covering rally, maybe an index driven. I mean, oh my God, the ECB quantitative easing. The first central bank to cave in. We were deeply, deeply oversold. It's no shock. Any little, you know, it's like throwing nitroglycerin on Tinder. Any, we were so tightly wound that we had this big snapback, but you, you just can't have junk lead. You know, we had a couple, there are a couple great names. Like I like Aspen Technology on a, a lot. How does this stock end up? That's uh, AZPN, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, First Solar has held in really, really well where Enphase broke, which is odd because First Solar's earnings are nowhere near as good as Enphase's today. Right. But the stock looks like it's prognosticating better things down the road. Um, Eli, Lilly came, Eli Lilly came out today, but it yeah. closed very mid-range, right above the pivot by a tiny little bit. So it is questionable. They have two big drugs, but I would have liked to see that close a lot higher. Um, but I'm disturbed by what ran today, and it smacks of another short covering rally. The great names, like I added a little bit. Of, I bought a guys. When I say I bought some, I bought like one one hundredth of one percent of my account. <laughs> okay. Um, I bought some. Uh, what did I buy? I bought a little bit of Lily. I bought a, a little bit of Aspen. I bought a little First Solar. But yeah, it's it's just too. Look at KHYB. I, I have to beat this up. I mean, I want to be optimistic, but if you look at this, this is the uh, high yield bond market in China, the junk market, commercial paper market, and it made new low today. Wow. Okay. Now look wow. at that. Look at look at 2020. That was when the world said that the global bond market and, and commercial paper markets seized. They stopped functioning. Now, if that happened in 2020, what, what is this doing now? That's got to scare anybody. Now, yeah. no, no one is talking about this. But look at the yuan; it's been obliterated. I think it's well over seven to the dollar now. Like, there's major, major problems. You know, the the pound was obliterated. Now the the Q, QE is now reoccurring in in Europe again. The debt problem is just; it's not been solved at all. No one liquidated their balance. These Fed balance balance sheets, their central bank balance sheets. We did not have traction in leaders today we may get it we may not but i will have to say when the market turns up the action in the leaders and the indexes will be obvious 
but the news will be so bad, very few will be able to control their emotions and commit. And we're starting to get into that zone where it's super ugly. Like, is Russia going to use nukes? Who mm -hmm. sabotaged the pipeline in the Baltic Sea? Right. There's a border skirmish in other places in, in uh, around Russia. Is Greece got their whole, I'm sorry, is Turkey got their whole naval force in the between Greece? And I mean, there's a lot of going on geopolitically. Financially, there's a lot of destruction. Um, it, it's that kind of darkness that is going to be present when the market takes off and is discounting the future. So all these names I just gave you, I mean, look at San Mina. It, it rallied up above the 50-day in a big, big bar, and volume came in in the last, like, 30 minutes there because I was looking at it, you know, midday, late in the afternoon, and it, the volume was low. But all the good names, the volume was pretty low across the board, which it, it's, it's a little discouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so it, it really just just you, you're you're still waiting, you're you're still watching and observing, building that watch list, maybe trying a little bit, but you're not getting that aggressive right now, right? The market and and we spoke about this a little bit in the the previous segment. You know, the market is going to slowly pull you in when the time's right, and it'll keep pulling you in, and keep pulling you in, right? And keep giving you more opportunities. Uh, and and so you just gotta have to trust the market and listen to the market. One hundred percent. And but I had a friend who's really savvy. And he texts me, he's like, the market's trying to pull me in today. He's like, I, can, I know it is. Um, it's going to, but there's a difference between starting a probe and getting traction and then building up, you know, like I could be long 30% on Friday and I'm like one, one, I covered my short position. I got the remainder of that. I closed out today. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I think it's more of a bounce-esque situation, but I just, I have to tell you this. I listened to an institutional call today and it was a technical analyst and I don't want to say who, but. He said, I'll take questions on any stock from anybody. Are you ready for these names? Meta, okay. Arc, <laughs> PayPal, Shopify, Coinbase, Moderna, Datadog, and SoFi. That is the biggest beat up crap list ever. Now, this is what people want to talk about. Yeah. Some institutions were on this call. This is an institutional call. Yeah. Well, was, they had a little bit of both, but I mean, okay, okay. Like, what are they thinking about? Didn't they not read Bill's book? <laughs> I mean, and, and on the call, well, I was on another call with just a bunch of hedge fund managers. And one of them goes, well, if you're desperate to get in, you could buy the index. Like anybody who's desperate to do anything, if you're desperate to meet the mate of your life, not happening. Desperation <laughs> is code for FOMO and loser. Mm -hmm. And on the other call, the guy goes, well, you know, you could take a stab at this one. And then he goes, you could take a shot at this one. I don't take, I don't stab at things. I don't take shots. I have the odds in my favor. I know history. I, the odds are, I'm the casino here. The other guys are the players on the other side of the table. Right. I don't take like shots that. at things. That's a waste of your time. That's FOMO. And this is what some institutions are talking about. Mm -hmm. So... Well, you know, I mean, hey, we're on our way to Vegas, so you know, you're you're already talking casinos uh, and and everything. But I think to your point, one of the things that people have to realize is, you know, they think that, okay, uh, you know, some of these things that are setting up potentially, if you still have that market weight going against you, a lot of times you're not going to get the big gains out of it. It's it's just you know that market overhang is just too much of a headwind a lot of times, and I, I always think back to what Charles has said 
numerous times. Charles Harris, uh, you know, who I, I, I really respect. I mean, he's he said, you know what? I'm so good at, in bear markets picking the winners. The problem is. I pick all the losers too, <laughs> and I don't make any progress, you know. Uh, or you know the, the the winners. I mean, they just they just aren't enough to overcome the amount of losers there are. Well, they're not only that the volatility that's entailed to deal with a big winner in a bear is too hard. The pullbacks yeah. are too brutal, and the overhead. Like you could look at um, Netflix today. Mm -hmm. It has. If you took the left-hand side of the base out and just looked at the price and volume, look at the up move. About five weeks ago, a big bunch of blue volume bars came in. Yeah. And then about a week ago, a bunch more came in, and then volume came in today. But you look at that gap down. And that how far off the high is it? Like 50, 60, 70%? Uh, let's see. 65%. So why would you fight that? You could buy a Yugo or a Lamborghini. Why would you buy the Yugo? This is the Yugo. In, in, just about everything you said, all the MAs are pointing down. This is just like the index. Yeah. Why fight it? You could buy Aspen or First Solar or, you know, uh, San Mina or REG. REGN looks great. And um, Vertex looks very interesting. And then the monster of monsters today, Biogen. BIIB. Alzheimer's drug was approved today, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So, so or not not approved. Uh, I think it had a positive phase three okay. trial, and that well, that was also helping Lily. You know, so the volume, I mean, Lily the volume yeah. percentage massive. Mm -hmm. Now, massive. I guess you know one of the things that bothered me a little bit about Biogen is it's it's had a lot of these big weeks before. Uh, you know, you, you just go back a little a little ways. Huge volume, huge week, didn't go anywhere. Uh, a few months before that, huge volume, huge week, didn't go anywhere. So. Do you think this is the this is the one that's for real? It's worth the risk. Okay. okay, you only that type of institutional demand is so rare. If this goes dead tight, or maybe it inches a little bit higher and then goes dead tight and gives nothing back. I mean, it's one of my key variables. Volume volume explosion gap up is a buy. They're mm -hmm. super rare, and if you get stopped out and you lose one or two percent or five percent on this thing. You lose a quarter of a percent of your account on it. Super worth the possibilities. I mean, the market for this is so gargantuan. Yeah, um, yeah you have a very legit point. There is overhead still, but this look at the volume. Mm -hmm. And I see what's happened in the past. I've bought. I bought the last big gap up. I remember I was coming home from golfing in California, and that I bought it at the airport. I'm getting on a plane. It's worth the answer is. I give you a 20 minute answer. It's worth the risk. I didn't buy it, but mm -hmm. I, I kind of feel like those, some of the ones I did buy didn't have the volume, and this one did, and I didn't buy it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I would like say about well, I, I would I would say it's worth the risk if you manage the risk, right? Yes. So, so at that when you manage the risk, it gives you a little bit more flexibility to try try different things and and push it a little bit when things are lining up. But Jim, I'm sure if it's going against you, you're out. So so maybe if you're on the plane. You're getting uh, a few days later when it's going back against you. You were out, n not even thinking about it. You're just following that plan. In seconds, I was out. I mean, I got out very quickly after that other one. I mean, dude, I don't ever, if if possible, it's not a gap down. I cut all my losses at three five seven, three four five. I'm just out, out, out. I mm -hmm. no patience for losers, and my position is so small. I mean, there's bear mark. There's follow through days in bear markets. 
and there's follow through days in pullbacks in bull markets. Mm. And you yeah. have to adjust your position size to the environment. I mean, is it an irrational exuberance mo moment? Or are we in a horrible bear market? Like one of the worst we've seen, the percentage stocks in bull mode is in the single digits. Yeah. These are low, these are levels we haven't seen in a very long time. This is a this is a once in every 10, 15. Well, we had two once in a generation bears. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was told once in a lifetime. Yeah. Um, a number of times in my lifetime so far. Well, we've had a couple hundred year floods. I don't know if you're yes. watching what's going on in Naples right now. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, so, yeah. 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 Uh -huh. Um, well, uh, so, I mean, you, you've, you've given us a lot of food for thought here. Um, you know, any, any kind of closing words on some of these stocks. So I think, you know, some of the keys that you're talking about here, volume, huge, um, something that was a little amiss today. And, and some of the names that were looking, looking the best, just didn't have that volume confirmation. Um, other things that, that people should be looking at, uh, you, you mentioned the fundamentals, uh, looking into that total addressable market and something like Biogen with. Alzheimer's, of course. I mean, that's that's a huge deal. Um, relative strength. Anything else that you you kind of say? Hey, here's 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 how the leader's going to smack you in the face if you're looking at these things. Well, because quantitative easing has ended, volume is probably going to be a lot more relevant, and price discovery in markets is probably going to be more pure. So you can hopefully pay attention to that more and get more confidence from it. The onus here is on the bulls. The bears are completely in charge. The follow-through day today, well, I don't even know if we really had one. It's it's maybe on NASDAQ you did. It's a debate. We'll sort it out. Yeah, yeah. We, we were debating it earlier on this episode. But, <laughs> okay, um, you did already talk about it? <laughs> well, well, we said it's not a falter day because okay. we were not calling that four days ago the pink rally day. It, it wasn't uh, big enough for a pink rally day. So it's day number Because two. of the gap down. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. if it well, let's say it was. Right. It's mm -hmm. that tells you that the possibility exists that an uptrend has started. Maybe, maybe. Right. If it's not corroborated by five to 10 to 15 fresh breakouts in the, in a reasonable period of time, if look, the MAs are all, are all three going straight down or is the 50 kind of leveled off? I mean, we got to get uh, No, that's still kind of turned down. <laughs> I mean, the new lows, the new lows are drowning new highs. There's Absolutely. so many things that have to change. And I would rather be late and have confidence and durability than early and wrong again. I mean, if you lose 1% of your account and there's 10 failed follow-through days, you can do your math here, okay? And most people are not going to get out with a 1% loss of equity. They're going to lose more. Mm -hmm. So... I hope I gave you a couple answers. I don't know. Yeah, no, I that you, we, that was kind of our lesson of the day. You know, you have to be careful of that that chop, uh, the death of a thousand cuts. You know, oh, I'm going in a little bit, and you know, even if you're cutting your losses quickly, if you're just doing it too much, or you're getting too much size too quickly, and taking the four percent, five percent loss, I mean, that adds up, and you know, before long, you you know, you've got a ton of losses, and you're looking at a portfolio that's quite a bit smaller i think you do you do let's say you had 10 failed follow through days in a row you st i was on the phone with bill bill called me he's like what did you buy today i go bill everything looks terrible he goes you go buy bristol myers and sketchers or something like wells fargo he's like you have to buy something and so if you get into a position where we're going to follow through and i'm not going to buy anything then you're going to have a problem because when you get 
if you even bought just a hundred or a thousand, whatever your minimum position is, and you get a little traction, then you follow up and keep following up. But if you just go, no, I've been stopped out in five FTDs in a row. I'm not going. That's it. You call me and let me know. <laughs> right. No, I mean, the, the one in July, and we were talking about this, Justin, right? Both yeah. of us didn't buy of buy on that fall today because we were distracted and stuff like that. And we were talking about, like, oh, my God, we're not in it. And, of course, that's the one that worked, right? Um, so you always have to, just like Bill, Bill said, and just like you said, Jim, you have to buy something on that fall through day when you get it just to get uh, uh, a little bit of exposure and feedback from the market. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, Jim, I got to just uh, thank you so much for coming on the show again. It's great to see you. I'll be seeing you in a couple of days. We'll both be seeing you in a couple of days um, at, at the Founders Club. So can't wait to see you in Vegas. And check Super out growthstockmentor.com too. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Thanks a lot, Jim. And uh, thanks again for, for, for showing up. Nice. So on the that's going to wrap it up for us today and uh, on the show Next week, we're going to have Tom Dorsey on, uh, you know, talk about one of those legends in the field. So I don't know if we're going to get into point and figure charts, but I uh, can't wait to hear what Dorsey's take on the market is. And thanks a lot for watching us today. Take care. Make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. Make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.